Lord Jesus, we come before you this morning. You're the only one who gives the word of life. We just come before you with a humble heart. We are already here and we've been here for days because we desire the life that you give. And we receive again this morning from you. We thank you for the Holy Spirit that is here. We thank you for all the provisions of heaven that is here. Thank you for the presence of the angels, for granting us every provision that we need. Your face, your hand, everything that is in your heart. Thank you, Jesus. We are indeed grateful. And when we see you very soon, Lord, we will say thank you for the gift of your love. In Jesus' name I prayed. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you. I wanted to say thank you, Daddy. <laughs> but of course, yeah, I call him Daddy. But <laughs> if I say it now, you will start saying Daddy. Please don't call him Daddy. <laughs> I just want to say thank you to my pastor, Pastor Kune Zakaria, for granting me this privilege to stand here before everyone. This is a great privilege because I can see the numbers and it's not a small number. And, you know, if this number can, if God can touch this number of people, the world will turn around. So I'm privileged to be standing before you guys. Thank you so much. All right. So I want us to, um, you know, I, when, when uh, we're going to, or rather when, when I was thinking over this um, apostolic generation, I was thinking over it and... As I was thinking, I had, I was just thinking, I was just ruminating for days and days and days. And I was thinking, um, what does this really mean, apostolic generation? And I, I wanted to, not like you can't define it or you don't know what it is, but as Christians, as a child of God, you're supposed to know what apostolic generation is or apostolic is, you understand? So I, I wanted to just maybe, I was just thinking and you know, wanted to know the mind of God concerning and I, I went on like that for days and nothing came to mind. So um, I think it was just um, a day or two days too and you know, I had God speak to me and I was really excited. I was very excited because there is no point saying what he didn't say. So I was really excited and I was very grateful so I will just take us through. I want you to just open your heart. Do not be carried away. Just open your heart this morning because Jesus is present. I, let me tell you why I said Jesus is present. It's not a cliche that people say or men of God say. He's present because I from Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, today is Saturday. I've seen the joy on everybody's face, especially those who have been walking tirelessly. You know, I, I was looking hard. Maybe someone is going to crack or someone is going to just like collapse and say, I'm tired. But I, I couldn't see that. I could see the energy, the grace. And it's, I, don't, I, I want you to know it's not normal. There's the grace, there's the energy. Everybody's working tirelessly and they're not tired. There's no weariness. There's no um, lack of enthusiasm. There is joy, there is peace, and everything is seamless. 
That's Jesus' presence. Jesus is right here with us. Sometimes it's not until you see him physically like in a vision. Just see the atmosphere. It's enough to see that the spirit of God is here. The Holy Ghost has been our miss and has tabernacled with us. So I want you to be very grateful. There's the smiles on your face. People are running from, you know, I saw Paul running this morning. <laughs> and I was just seeing the, the grace of God. Not, energy, not, not as far like bodily exercise, but the grace of God. The grace to do. See, if, if you leave me to do everything the units are doing, we will not have a conference. I, I cannot sing, for example. You guys know that. So I, I cannot be the usher and I cannot be the media guy. I can't. I can't be what, of course, in front of you. Like, I can't do that. I just want you to understand that this is the grace of God at work. People doing what they ought to do without even being told many a times. And I can see that Jesus, the Holy Spirit, is present in our midst. And I'm super grateful about that. That's the first thing I want you guys to know and be aware of. That it is grace. It is not normal. To be gathered and not be tired is not normal. So it's the grace of God. So we thank God for the grace of God. We thank God for the grace of God. So I'll look into my notes a lot, you know, and try read out some things that, you know, God has told me. And I'll just keep reading like that. But I know that we'll be blessed. I know that there will be a shift. I know that one of the things I know will happen is that decisions will be made decisions will be made. I know sometimes when we gather like this, we we have a lot of things. We've heard a lot of things and sometimes we don't take a decision. And we because we are youth, we're young, we're not like we're not old. We are very old actually. <laughs> we are very old. But um we will not be flippant. We will take decisions. We will make up our minds. The Lord has done what he wants to do, but we will make up our minds. So one of the things I know will happen is that decisions will be made. Today, decisions will be made. You will be writing it down because Jesus has promised to speak to each and every one of you. Particularly to you, every one of you. So you can write down whatever you want to write and make decisions. And you know, when you make decisions, it don't just be decisions. It should be that the hand of God is over it to perform it for you. Okay? So don't be afraid to take a decision. Don't say, that's what I did last year. I took a decision and I didn't follow through. Don't worry. There is grace. So when you take a decision, it will be like that. It will be like that because grace will follow you through. And this new season that you are entering, the grace of God is available. He has poured out his grace. He has poured out his grace. It's available. So you have grace. Okay? Glory to God. Hallelujah. So we have to be a generation that doesn't hold sitting down as a sacrifice. But more as a necessity. Not as a sacrifice. More as what? A necessity. It is necessary that we sit down. It is necessary that we attend to our development. It is necessary that we attend to our building, to our growth. Because I, for one, am passionate about growth. I'm passionate about my development. So it is not a sacrifice that we have sat down for days that... um, I could have, I'm not thinking, there's no way I'm thinking I could have been. You understand? This is life. If you take me more days, I will sit down. Guess what? Me, I'm already even used to it. Sometimes I have eight hours lecture, four hours lecture, and what I'm doing, I'm studying the Bible. Okay? 
So, it is not a sacrifice. It is a necessity. It is what is necessary. You know, Jesus spent days in building. He would stay with the disciples, build, teach, train. And when the apostles would gather, after Jesus has done, you know, there was a time Jesus came and then taught them for like 40 days. He kept teaching, teaching, building, building, and teaching. One of the things I want you to embrace in this new season is to sit down and be taught. Embrace sitting down and being taught. Embrace the teaching of the word. Embrace the teaching of the word. So there will be a lot of teachings. I have determined in my heart, I'm taking certain decisions. That's why I said everyone should take a decision that I will be sitting down and I will be receiving teachings, trainings, teachings and trainings. I will be sitting down. If you look at what happened yesterday, when Pizak was teaching after a while, then there was the release. There was an impartation. So when the word of God is being taught, there's usually a release because it is his word and there is the power of the word. After you sit down a while and you are being taught, then the power will come and perform the word. So imagine not sitting down and being trained. Imagine not sitting down and not being taught. It's after a while, you know, and Peter was giving a lot of testimonies about how people's lives yesterday night are being changed. People have changed lives. People who are timid before them become bold. It is the teaching of the word that does things like that. When you're being taught after a while, after weeks, months, years, then you will change. I was not like this before. I am morphing. I am morphing into the word of the kingdom that I'm being taught. Every dispensing of the word makes you to morph. Because the word of God is life in his spirit. So when it comes to you, it changes you. It's not the way you are looking at yourself. It is your heart is changing. Some of us are having implantation. That's the heart that is bad is being removed and a new heart is being given. That soil, a proper good soil that can germinate the word of God. So different things are happening for days. So the, the, uh, the apostles kept teaching. They taught, they taught, they taught, they taught. They kept teaching. We must learn the culture. And we must attend to learn the ways of God. See, you must have this joy when the Bible is opened and you, they want to teach you. I usually am happy. I'm joyful. When, the, when you open the Bible, I'm just talking about myself. When you open the Bible for me, you can be in my house and teach me the Bible. I, I can be inviting you every day to my house. Just teach me this Bible. Open the Bible. Teach me. When you open the scriptures for me and you are teaching me, I am joyful. Every child of God, you have that signet of the spirit of joy coming from inside your spirit when you are being taught the scriptures. The scriptures is meant to be taught. You're meant to study it. You're meant to look into it. You're meant to consider it. So you should have joy when the Bible is being taught. You should have joy when the word of God is being taught is, and you're going through the trainings. Praise God. By the way, I want you to know that the supernatural will happen. So we talk a lot about the glory and the supernatural. When the glory hits, the supernatural happens. The supernatural happens is the hand of God. It does it when it pleases. When the glory is here, the supernatural happens. One of the things I want you to hold is to not be carried away by the supernatural. 
because it will happen. Miracles will happen. Miracles will happen. Um, it would be said that just that, I think I saw an angel last night. Gideon saw an angel in Judges 6, but he was asking a question. I like Gideon. He, he demanded, to what is your visit? To what is your visit? What's the point of you coming? Then he had contemplations. Then he discussed with the angel. And he made transactions. Because what's the point an angel visiting us and there is no transaction? That being is coming from heaven. I would like to know what he's bringing and what he's doing to my present situation. What is happening to the kingdom of God on earth? I want to know. So when I see an angel, I'm going to stop him and ask him a question. So the miraculous will happen. The visitation of God will happen. But make sure you transact. Make sure you transact. Don't be swept away by the supernatural. When you see a fire burning, it is not the fire. There's a voice behind the fire. So when the fire is burning, you need to pay attention. After the fire, God, would you speak? It is the speakings of God we have life. So do not be carried away by the supernatural. It's going to be happening very silently. Miracles will be happening on their own accord. But pay attention to the voice of God. Eventually, the whole process of Moses' miraculous journey was to get him to learn the ways of God. The Bible says that Moses knew, he knows my ways. The whole journey of the Red Sea, um, opening up and everything, the whole miraculous journey was for Moses to kind of grasp the understanding of God's ways. All that mighty miracle. If it happens in our days, we're just going to stand like me. I probably will just stand and open my mouth like that. But God was teaching Moses something. God was teaching him something. God was telling him, this is me. Was showing him himself and his love to the children of Israel through Moses. So Moses was learning the ways of God. So look beyond the supernatural and get the voice of God. You know, if we're not grounded in the word of God, we will not be useful. And after a while, we will fall away. Because you have nothing to hold on to. There is no substance you have to hold on to yourself. So after a while, the old journey of faith becomes boring. And then you fall away. No wonder God has some children who serve Satan. In the house of God children of God, but they do the will of Satan instead of to do the will of God. The only way to effectively do the will of God or to stand on the will of God is to understand his ways, to understand his will. How do we understand the will? It's very simple. It's in the scripture. The Bible. So, I want you to, I'm just trying to tell us to lay hold on the word. Lay hold on the word. Let that word form you and make you. Lay hold on the word. Praise God. Bible in Proverbs 22, 6 says, Train up a child in the way it it should go. If there's a way the child should go, there is a particular way children of God should go. There's a particular way children of God should go. Once you're out of that way, you're not a child again. Train up a child in the way it should go. 
And when he is old, he will not depart from it. There's actually an announcement. I'm building up my thoughts to get to the announcement. God has a word for everyone, okay? So I'll declare it, but I want you to get the foundation of it. So train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. So there is a way God wants you to go. There is a way, just a way. God wants you to go. And that's why he keeps training and teaching. Training and teaching. Training and teaching. Understand that God's ways are far from our ways. It takes a lot of... For this meeting to hold, God has sent a lot of resources. A lot of resources. A lot of resources. Resources in men. Apostle Branham really came from South Africa and... That's a huge resource. I want you to understand that God is not playing games. God is serious. And so he's paving the ways in heaven. So that you can get what he's supposed to give to you. It is part of the training. If God must train you, he must send you his men. So when Peter was saying that you use the materials to do retreats. It is the training. Those are the training materials. So you're reading your Bible, you're listening to messages, you're going through the training, and then your mind is shifting. There won't be a supernatural hand to shift you. It is the word that shifts. It's the word of God that forms. So the Bible says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart. So what am I going to do in my new season? My new season, I'm going to take time to enjoy training. I'm going to take time to soak in training because I'm going to be old. When I'm old, I don't want to be useless. I don't want to be useless. I've lived many years on earth. I want to be useful for God. You know, if we're afraid of being out of the children's way, be, um, you know, I have children now, and my kids are like my best followers because they are watching me by observation. So currently, they are going to be great leaders because currently they're my best followers. They are watching by observation. And I'm careful to live my life before them. It's the same way God is careful with you, grooming you and training you. So when, I'm become, when I become afraid, I'm using natural example. When I become afraid to leave my children alone, to be by themselves, I've done a bad job. I'm a failure. So when I can't leave my kids, and I'm like, I have to look back all the time to check what are they doing? What are they doing? Am I sure this person is okay? Then, I, I, then I'm a failure. So when we train, we train so that when you are old, you will not depart from it. There's something you should have laid hold on when you are young. So training is intentional, is rigorous, it is thoughtful. So when I'm with my kids, for example, I'm using that natural example, I pause when they ask me questions. I make sure I pause whatever I'm doing to answer that question because it is training. So training is intentional. It is rigorous sometimes. And it is very, very... Um, you, you have to just pay attention. 
you have to carefully tutor and train. And you know, at the end of the day, we have to put this training under test through the instrument of trust. So after you have been trained, we will leave and watch you. In this next season, embrace training. Because very soon your trainers won't be around. So that mommy and daddy can go. And you can manage the house. You can hold the house. Mommy and daddy won't be around forever. (laughs) Who is going to hold the house when mommy and daddy is not around? Who is going to take charge and not allow the devil in? Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Follow me as I follow Christ. But understand that Paul is saying, follow Christ. But follow me as I follow. It's as, as, as I follow Christ. Be careful. It is as I follow Christ. Christ is who we should be loyal to. Because when Paul will leave the scene, If you was Paul alone you were following, you are going to drop Christ. Follow me as I follow Christ. Your loyalty must be to Jesus Christ. Our training is to lead you to Christ. So eventually when we are not on the scene, when I pass, you are able to continue with Christ. You know, Paul would go everywhere, preach. He would have followers. He went everywhere. He had in Athens. He had in Rome. He had in Greece. He had just people who would just preach. And then he would have some follow. Some trying to kill him. <laughs> Very interesting. But he had followers everywhere. You know, he didn't stay with them for so long. Some six months. Like that. But he left them with, the, with Christ. So they were able to follow Even though they were following Paul, but they were following Christ. Praise God. It's beautiful, right? Very beautiful. You know what? When you're following, when Jesus was on earth, you'd say, as I see my father do, that's what I do. At some point, he will say, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. There are men on earth presently who have been sent to you that you can follow. So you need to pay attention to identify them, to know who to follow. Follow rightly, follow correctly. There are people you can follow. God has entrusted his spirits. For example, I'm grateful I have a pastor. I'm super grateful and thankful that I have a pastor that I can follow. Because I've seen the deposit of the Spirit in him. So I have an example to follow. And you know what, again? I'm going to make sure I follow through. I follow till I juice out everything I need to juice out. That's the point. 
Because I don't know if he will be here forever. So I follow him till I can lay hold. So God has entrusted. So don't think that Jesus will come on the earth again and say that. <laughs> he won't come and say again. Not again. Not again. I want you to know not again. He's not coming again to say that whatever you see me do. <laughs> he's not coming again. He's not. He can't even. So now he's deposited himself in men. Say men. 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 I want you to appreciate that. Because I know sometimes it can be difficult for you to get men, 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 men. It's men. He has deposited his spirit in men. It is not a normal thing. That took a lot of, a lot from God. And God trusts his men. And he has deposited his spirit in them. So you have to watch closely. See, beyond what is being said, you have to follow their spirits. Praise God. So, I've talked about training, teachings, sitting down, and making sure you know that it's not a sacrifice, it's a necessity. Righteousness is not a declaration. I am not the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm trying to say it the way we say it. (laughs) It is a training. Righteousness is a training. It's not just a declaration. You can't be the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus and keep declaring it, but you don't learn righteousness. So in the Holy Ghost, we have righteousness, we have peace, we have joy. Righteousness, peace, and joy. So don't leave righteousness and move to peace and joy. Righteousness, then peace, then joy. Righteousness is to be taught. The Holy Ghost will instruct you on righteousness. How do we learn the ways of God? We are instructed in our spirit man. So that's why the Holy Spirit will come and stop you at different intervals. And say no, 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 no. You're not getting it right. This is righteousness. This is the right standing. This is the right perspective. This is my opinion. This is my own ways. So the Holy Ghost is on your inside. Not just to give you peace and joy. It's to train you in righteousness. It should train you in righteousness. The righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. As you are being trained. As you are being trained. As you are being led by the Spirit. So our hearts must be instructed by righteousness. You know, many a times, my heart wants to do something else. Is in it, I have my emotions, so I want to do something else. But the, but the righteousness, the Holy Spirit will say, no, this is the right thing to do. So pay attention when you are being trained by the Spirit of God. Pay attention to his instruction because righteousness will be instructed you. The reason why it will be instructed is because it is not your natural space. It is not your natural emotions. It is not your natural emotion. Righteousness is not what man wants to do. That is why it's ascribed to God. It's not what man wants to do. So, you see, our old ways, our old thinking, 
Even the things we call good is not good in that sense. It is righteousness that is good. So allow the instructions of righteousness. Allow the instructions of righteousness. Do not reject or refuse the instructions of righteousness. Allow righteousness, the Holy Spirit, to train you. Allow the training to go on. So righteousness is not just a declaration. It is a training. And it is by the Spirit. You know, one thing about righteousness is because it's, it's, it, it will confront your lifestyle. It will confront... You know, the thing about the Holy Ghost is that many a times it's loud on our inside. But we're so full of our ways that it's overwhelming. God actually confronts us. If you're a student of the word, if you read your Bible, you will see confrontations. The epistles are full of confrontations. It will confront you. The only thing you can do is to come with open hands. Just surrender. Just surrender. What did I say? Just surrender. Just give up. Give up on your old ways. Whatever you even think is good, give up on it. You know, there was a day God told me that there's nothing called good girl. I was wondering, what does that mean? What does that mean? Good girl. I've been a good girl. I'm a good girl. I'm a good girl. I was like, what do you mean there's nothing called good girl? Okay. Then, then he said further, only God is good. But when you are in him, he can instruct you how to be good. So our definition of good is also wrong. Give a cross sign to it. It's completely wrong. So even in that your good nature, that your poised self is also wrong. It's nothing close to righteousness. They are two different things. They are on two different bridges. They can't even meet. That's why I love the word of God. I just stay close to it so that I can relearn and be trained again. I just hug the Bible. I'm just a friend of the word of God. Everywhere I find limitation and difficulty, I go in prayers. Because I've, um, I have surrendered. I've just given up because I've tried my ways and it's not working. So I've just surrendered. So when I meet with the word of God and it confronts me, the only thing to do is to pray and ask God for help and mercy. Every time the word of God confronts me and I know I can't, I can't tear this part of the scripture. I can't tear this part of the Bible. I have to do it. It is confronting me. Then I go in prayers. I go in prayers. I just keep praying. If this is your word, I am your child. If this is your word, I am your offspring. I'm supposed to have capacity to do this. So I lean on you, Father. I lean on your grace, your strength. And when grace comes, I don't deny it. I don't stay in my emotions and deny grace. When grace comes, I engage grace. I don't deny it. I don't use my emotions to deny it. Like I, I don't feel like it. I don't feel like it. Uh-huh. No, no, I don't feel like it. No, 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 no. Grace is available. Grace is around. So you don't deny grace. You engage grace. So that your life can change. So that your nature can change. The nature of God that he wants to impute in you is beautiful. Is more beautiful than your present self. Who 
who does not like beauty? <laughs> who on earth does not like beauty? Beauty with power. <laughs> who doesn't like that? I love it. I love it. That's what I want. What's the point of living life without power? Without power, without presence. What's the point? There's no point. Praise God, there's no point. So the nature of God is beautiful. When he walks it on your inside, you are glowing. Your spirit will glow. You will be identified. Your voice will be heard. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So righteousness, do not forget, is instructed. And it confronts. No, repentance is first to turn from sin in the heart. Before you sin gets to actions, it is first in the heart. It is first in the heart. You have thought about it. You have considered it. Um, you have put it side by side. That is when righteousness comes. Because sometimes when we are considering sin and its ways, the Holy Spirit is ministering to us. But most of the times we refuse it. So, repentance is first in the heart. Nobody needs to know what you have done. The thing is, God can see you if I can't see you. So, God sees into the heart. So, if I can't see you, God can see you. So, what I do is I repent. You know what? I repent every time. I just want you to know that repentance is not a ceremonial stuff. It's not something you come out once in six months to do. It's not something you come out once in a month to do. Thank God there is no bishop that you can report to right now. But there is the Lord you can report to. Embrace sincerity. Embrace sincerity. The more I stand before God and tell him what is in my heart, the more I stand before God and open myself up to him and tell him I accept your truth, the more he gives grace. The more he gives grace. Something about sincerity is, is, it it can't really be defined like that. If I want to define sincerity for you, I'll probably miss it. (laughs) I think that the only person that knows the true definition of sincerity is God. I want you to know that as you are seated right now, you are completely transparent to him. He can see through you. Your innermost thoughts, he can see it. Your innermost thoughts. Even the one you have not thought about. Because he knows your frame. (laughs) He knows what you can think about. So I told myself one day, why don't you just give up on the shade? Why don't you just give up on the uniform? Why don't you just give up on the pretense? If God can see me, I don't care if you can't see me. The point is we care too much if we can see each other. No, you don't need to see me. When I need to apologize, I apologize. You don't need to see me. If you, if you even tell me that, I don't think I was wrong. I said, don't worry. <laughs> My husband knows. If he says, if I'm apologizing to him and he says, oh, you didn't do anything. I said, don't worry. Let me just apologize. Leave me alone to my apology. Because God can see me. Embrace sincerity. At the end of the day, it's not Pastor Zach you stand in front And it's not this that you stand in front. You are going to stand before the almighty God. And before you get there, he can see you already. 
When you're wrong, you're wrong. Leave shame alone. You know, if I hold on to shame when I'm wrong, and I say, I'm there's nothing much. Shame cannot give me life. But if I'm ashamed today, I can get life. If I'm ashamed today, I can get grace. So when I leave shame alone, the shame of death, the, the fear of death rather, and shame, there's sometimes the fear of death. It's just the fear of, of not knowing what, what will be. If I do this, what will be? What will be, Lord? If I go this route, what will be? You're unsure. God knows you're unsure. Trust him. He knows you are unsure. He already knows you are unsure. Trust him. He's worthy of your trust. There is no other person to trust than God. He won't kill you. What I mean is, who else can we trust? Who else can we trust? There is nobody to be trusted. God can be trusted. He's worthy of the trust. Leave everything alone to him. He's worthy of trust. If he made you, he made you for a good thing. Everything he thinks about you is good. Surrender and hand everything over to him. And be patient. Just wait for the returns. Don't be too forward. There's nothing I want to use shame for. Shame. Swallow the shame. Shame will block your sincerity. The fear of the unknown will block you from God. The fear of the unknown. You know what I read in the scripture one day and I saw that God sees what is in the dark? And he knows the secret thing. I, I don't know if you can find that scripture. I think it's in the Old Testament. He sees the secret thing in the dark. And he knows what is... You understand? In case you think that God only dwells in light. He also sees the dark. And he sees darkness. As in... There is no secret with God. Even the secret and the hidden things, he can see it. He reveals deep and secret things. He knows what is in darkness. And light dwells in him. Did you see? Thank you. It was that day I told myself, oh, wow. He reveals deep and secret things. So I can't be confused with him. I just need to talk to him and be a little more patient. He can see nothing is hidden from him. So that fear of the unknown, there's nothing you want to do with it. Drop it. There's nothing you want to do with it. That's why sometimes it comes to comfort us with prophecies. Mom, you'll be this, you'll be that. This is what I plan for you. It's comfort. Because he understands that you are thinking about the unknown. He knows you're thinking about your future. So the comfort of prophecy will just keep you for that time. Because he loves you. Praise God. I don't want you to doubt the fear of God. See, time has really gone. Talking about the love of God, there is no point doubting the love of God. 
one of the things I saw in Acts of the Apostles is that things were happening. Some people would just fall and die. There was no questioning. They didn't question God. How don't you love Ananias as Why did you just kill them like that? Nobody was questioning. It was settled. The love of God was settled. There's no time again crying over spilled milk. If he spilled, move on. One of the things I want you to pray about in your new season is the love of God. Pray to be grounded and be rooted in the love of God. It will help you in life. Without that, you can't move very, you can't move very far. Pray to be grounded and be rooted in his love. That will keep your feet steady. So there's no point crying over spilled milk anymore. There's no time for that. There's no time for that. Because when Daniel was in Babylon, he wasn't crying over spilled milk. He was in captivity, he was in slavery. He didn't cry over spilled milk. He didn't say, oh, my father, they have carried me for slavery. How are we going to do it now? I'm not a slave. No, Daniel wasn't crying over spilled milk. He was thinking and contemplating, how am I going to defeat Babylon? Daniel was a child that was under training. He was properly tutored and trained. Just like us like this. That's why I'm praying this morning, Lord. Let your word sit well in the soul. Let your word grab the soul. He wasn't crying over slavery. me. And I know that he had contemporaries that went on that slavery journey. One of them, Meshach, Abednego, and the rest they didn't mention. They mentioned those words because they weren't crying over spewed me. They were confronting Babylon. Because they had another civilization. Our civilization is the scripture. That is your civilization. And Daniel didn't cry. There's no mommy here. There's no daddy here. What am I going to do? You know what God is saying? There is going to be a scattering. There's going to be a scattering. After this season, there's going to be a scattering. Then we will not... Let me just say in plain terms. I will not see you very soon again. I will not see you very soon again. In plain terms. I will not be seeing you very soon again. You better juice out everything you need to juice. Let me just say it in play terms. So I don't want emotional this thing. Just get it right. Juice out all you need to juice out. Daniel didn't cry over spilled milk. He didn't say, oh, my father is not here, my mother is not here. He was thinking and contemplating, what is this Babylon? How am I going to end? How am I going to maintain? Daniel was just thinking of how to stand. He was only thinking of how to stand. I'll maintain my culture here. I'm going to maintain the kingdom here. Everywhere I'm being thrown, I'll maintain the kingdom. It must be the kingdom. And Daniel had friends. He has brothers. He has everyone. But he was able to, by the help of God, he was able to stand. Daniel stood and he overcame. Daniel overcame. <laughs> Daniel overcame. He, he became like a god in Babylon. <laughs> How will people say that, where is your god? I want to worship your god. How? Are you taking a kind of stand that people begin to ask you, where is your god? Is your god I want to worship? See, if you bow to the world, you have a God to display. You have a God. 
it will be you'll be that kind of child to God that God is ashamed of. But when you don't bow to the word, when you stand with the principles of the word and the ways of God, then the word will come and ask for your God. Daniel had sound judgment. And he was very systematic. He didn't go about it brashly. He kept engaging. Asking questions. Engaging. Can I do this? Can I do that? (laughs) He was governed by the wisdom of God. No wonder he prayed three times. You know, sometimes we are praying because we have to mark a religious attendance. But Daniel had to pray because he had no other thing to lay hold to. He was in Babylon, my people. He had to pray three times. You don't think you're in Babylon. You are in Babylon. You are in war. (laughs) Nobody's going to tell you to pray whenever you want to pray. When the war hits you, you will pray. Daniel prayed three times. It was not out of culture or religion. It was out of necessity. So when you understand you're in war, that your soul is being contended for, then you will pray. Then you will pray. (laughs) Then you will lean on, then you will be humble. Then you will lean on the Lord. You have no choice than to lean on the Lord. So Daniel was not there considering. You know, if if we keep considering the things of the world, you know, sometimes I just shut out my phone because I I want to shut out from the world. I just shut it out. If you keep looking at it, paying attention to it, considering it, looking at it, especially looking at it, if you keep looking at it, looking at it, looking at it, very soon it will seep into your soul. So why do you find yourself doing certain things? Because you open up yourself to certain things. So it will seep in. Whatever you stay close to is what you resemble. So Daniel stayed close to God. He needed that intimacy because he was in Babylon. And Babylon was dense. (laughs) Babylon was dense. If you read the scripture, you see the walls. It was dense. There was no escape. The only thing was to stay close to God. He put his ears close to the father's heart in prayers. So he knew exactly what to do. He knew exactly how to be. Same thing now. This world is dense. You need to be aware so that you stay close to God. Praise God. The scripture, the Bible is our enlightenment. So when we go to school, we study the word. After you're done with studying the scripture in school, you study the word. After you're done with your class, you study the word. After you're done with lectures, you study the word. The scripture is the true enlightenment. The word of God is the true civilization. What am I saying true? It's the only civilization. It's the only civilization. So, not like you're going to be useless in this world. Daniel was able to engage. He was in Babylon and he was an officer. <laughs> he was engaging properly. No, I'm not saying you're going to be useless. You're going to be very useful in key places. The Lord is going to be scattering everybody all over. You're going to be thrown to different places. That's why I'm saying stay on that training. If this season is to sit down with the word, sit down. If this season is to sit in church, sit in church. If this season is to look for a pastor, look for your pastor. Look for the pastor of your local assembly. Get yourself a pastor. 
sit in church. Do Bible study. Do Bible study. Wake up in the middle of the night and study the Bible. It is your civilization. You can look for a group of people. If you're bored, look for a group of people. Do you want to study the Bible? Do you want to study the Bible? Can we do it in my living room? Let your house be used for house fellowship. Allow your house to be used for house fellowship. Whether organized or not, just do something. Just engage. Engage. Don't be an illiterate. Don't be an illiterate. Why would you say you're a child of God? You know nothing about him. That was my first cry when I gave my life to Christ. I was like, I'm already born again. So what do I know about this thing? I don't know anything. I discovered I read a lot of scripture. I even grew up in church, but I didn't know anything. Jerry, I had to sit with the Bible. I had to start looking at it. The ones I don't understand, look for people that will disturb. Please, can you tell me this? What does this mean? Then I was coming to church. This was my seat in church. In Chapel of His Glory. I was only seated behind the pastors. Because I don't want anybody to distract me. I don't want anybody. I cannot. Okay, let me not say that. Because if I say I cannot sit at the back, now everybody will come to the front. (laughs) That's not what I mean. But I was voracious. I wanted to just sit where. If they're making noise, if if anybody phone ring. I don't know why people are distracted. Me, I'm not distracted though. I did not even hear it. I'm just telling you the honest truth. I did not hear because my spirit is engaging. My heart is opened. Because that is the word of life. So he said, I'm living life. I'm living life. I'm living life. So what are you living? What are we living? The word of God is the life. The word of God is the life. The other life is powerless. Praise God. I'm already declaring the mind of God. One of the things God wants me to tell you is there will be scattering. Praise God. There will be scattering. So I said to us, I've already instructed us, use this season to sit. Use this season to sit. Use this season to, to juice. Juice. Sit. That's the only way, my friends. Use this season to sit. I beg you, when they are saying that, be a pastor. Don't say, I, I don't want to be a pastor. I beg you in the name of God. Don't ever allow such utterance to come out of your mouth. Utterance is like, me, I'm not a pastor. Don't ever allow it. It's an aberration. That's why I nailed down because you might not get the point. You are a child of God. What else will you be? I don't get it. I, I honestly can't process that line. Honestly, Jerry, I can't process the line. I'm me, I'm not, I'm not a pastor. I'm not called to be a pastor. Who, who needs the calling? Just do the job. Drop the title. If you don't want to be called a pastor, drop it. Do the job. God needs you because when he begins to throw you around, you need to start something. You cannot have Bible fellowship in your house. Why? <laughs> so what's the responsibility of a child of God? You don't have a choice. <laughs> in case nobody has told you. You don't have a choice because there's now going to be a scattering and you will be a disappointment. People will be going to different places, different countries, different nations. 
God will be banking on you. After you have been trained, what will you then do? After you have been trained, what will you then do? What are you going to use the training for? What are you going to use the, 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 the deposits of the spirit? What are you going to be using the resources of heaven to do? What are you going to use the resources of heaven? Are you going to sit like Daniel's friend that did nothing? Or you're going to stand? Are you going to be Joseph? Those are the people you should look up to. Being alone, left alone, but doing the kingdom. Left alone with nobody. No example. Because these days I see people looking for examples and mentors everywhere. Why don't you be the example? Why don't you start it? Because you're a responsible child of God. I don't want God to look down from heaven and say, where will I find a man? After everything over the years, sitting like this. Sitting like this. Many of our fathers... People like um, Benson Dowser, they didn't even sit for long before they started out. They didn't sit for long. They didn't sit. The nations are crying for you. The nations are now beckoning for the children of God. Now, if you're going to America or UK, you are a missionary. The nations are groaning for a child that has been trained. You don't need to be old. Just a teenager is okay. The nations are now looking for people. Nations have gone. The devil has dealt with them. They are now going dark. You are the light. You are the light. Because that's the essence of being scattered. You are now the light. One of the things we'll be praying for this morning is boldness. You'll be bold. You will be bold as a lion. You will not be defeated. You will not cave in. When you need to stand, you will not cave in. When you need to stand, you will not cave in. There will be grace supplied to you. You won't shy away when you need to speak. Once you have believed, you will speak it. Once you have believed, you will say it. You will defend the cross. The blood of Jesus won't be a waste. You will defend the cross. You shall defend the cross. You shall carry your cross. You shall carry your cross. You shall now carry your cross. So the nations are waiting for you. So when you're getting the idea of moving, understand that the kingdom of God is also moving. Moving from one place to another. You know, Philip was thrown one of them were thrown after a, a set of tra- after a season of training then there was scattering because God needs Samaria to hear it God needs Judea do you know where, where else God needs to the hands of the earth to the hands of the earth everywhere must be covered to the hands of the earth so when you see an evangelist going on a mission encourage them decide to go with them to the ends of the heads. To the hands of the heads. So don't, don't allow such speech to come out of your mouth. When he wants to come out, swallow the speech. Don't allow it to come out. Say, I'm not a pastor. You don't know what you want to use the calling for. Please. Don't say that. Please. What must we do? 
I said it. I said, stay with the training. Stay with the teaching. So that you won't be dumbfounded. <laughs> when you need to get to. When God now places you somewhere, you won't be dumbfounded. You won't just be looking like you don't know what you're here for. You don't know what you're doing. Because God has sent resources. I just want us to sit like that and just pray. Sit like that and just pray. If you don't have, I'll be giving just simple instructions. If you don't have a local assembly, look for one. Go and be planted. Go and be planted. If you don't have a pastor, look for one. This is a season to now begin to trouble your own ordained pastor. To meet with them. So that you can, you can be trained. This is now a season to stay close and catch the spirits of your pastors. This is a season to make certain decisions. And it's going to carry you for life. So I want you to ask God for help. Just receive grace. 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 You're not going to continue looking at the world and being overwhelmed and overpowered by it. Receive grace. There is grace to let go. There is grace to surrender. There is grace to receive the civilization of the world. There is grace. Receive grace. Receive grace. Receive the help of God. There is grace this morning. There is grace to find a company. A company that you can do Bible study with. There is grace to find a company you can pray with. You can look for companies to pray with. Companies to do Bible study with. This is the time to delete the numbers of your, of your friends that are useless to your life. This is the time to delete their numbers. This is the time to choose your friendships. Choose your friendships. Don't choose the ones that will allow you just travel, travel into carnality. So receive grace this morning. There is grace. There is grace to make the right choices, right decisions. Right choices, right decisions. And the Lord has helped us. We will not, we will not deny his help. The Lord has helped us. The Lord has helped us. The Lord has graced us. The Lord has empowered us. There is power on your inside. The Lord has empowered us.